Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football. Of course, that's why you tune in. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde today. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. You want to check out some of his other content, podcasts, and things like that. Uh, if you have any questions for us, we do love to hear from you. We get a lot of emails. Podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address, or you can call us or text us. Our number is 424-254-9141. Please subscribe to the podcast, itunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast if you're on the iTunes, but we're also on Google Play and Stitcher Radio and TuneIn Radio and Audio Boom and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so a lot of ways to to download the show. Uh, tell your friends about it. We love that. Or you want, like I said, send us some feedback, podcast at uscfootball.com. Well, we got uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. We whole week of SEC Media Days last week. We got Big uh, Big 12 Media Days starting today, and we're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde about that and, of course, the upcoming Pac-12 Media Days and a bunch of questions about this USC football team. What's up, Coach? How are you? Everything's wonderful, buddy. Just, uh, you know, just uh, recouping. Uh, you know, in about uh, four or five weeks, I go into a submarine, and I submerge for six months. I don't know what's happening <laughs> in the rest of the world. I sort of cruise around, and then all of a sudden, after the national championship game, or sometimes in February, the sub comes up, and all of a sudden, I find out what's going on. So that sub is getting all gassed up and ready to uh, submerge and take me on that football season. Well, I'm glad to be on that sub with you at times. I'm not always on the sub with you, but it's nice that we're going to, you know, we'll be in the same sub, uh, at least some of the time. And it's getting close. The submarine time, you're about to periscope down, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be happening real soon. There's, uh, before we get to the questions, there's a few topics, coach, I want to talk about, but I also want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. So sctickets.com is the URL. If you want to go there, you want to go to Angels game, Dodgers game. I think the Dodgers have the best record in baseball or, any baseball or sporting event across the country, you can do that at sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888-7287, and they will hook you up. Talk to Curtis. Tell him Coach Harvey Hyde sent you, get you some sort of deal. Uh, Curtis likes to do that, and he's been helping us for many years, so we do appreciate that. Um, but, Coach, a few topics I want to talk about first. We, uh, we, saw, we put some pictures up of Sam Darnold, and the observation was it looked like he had lost some weight. Uh, from last year, we got to talk to him this week and, uh, you know, his hair's a little longer. So maybe that adds some weight, but he said he was up to 222 pounds now. So actually a little bit bigger than before. So if people were on kind of alert that they were worried that Sam Darnold's too skinny now, I don't think that's the case. Well, that's good. I'm glad uh, I'm hearing that. Uh, maybe he just distributed his weight a little bit better. And uh, you know, you do that as you mature. And as long as he hasn't lost his strength and his Ability to play at the level of weight he's used to and the physicalness that he has, and uh, he feels good about it, then that's what that's what counts. But if he's been forced to be on a diet or whatever it might be, then that sometimes affects your your ability to to think and play and. 
be the guy who you really are. But if you talk to him, you know what's going on, and you saw him, so obviously you're happy. I'm happy too. Then. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, he's he's Sam Darnold, man. He's just the same dude. Uh, it was really good to talk to him. We, if you listened last week, we did a bunch of podcasts last week. We had Dan Weber on. He talked a lot about Dan had a long one-on-one conversation with Sam Darnold. So uh, Dan talked a lot about that uh, on the last pod podcast from last week. So you can go and check that out. Um. Yeah, also coach. So a lot of kind of stuff going on. Uh, I wanted to bring that up. Um, Big 12 media days, uh, started today and a couple of points I wanted to get your thoughts on. One, they are now doing a championship game. So one of the data points, you know, Big 12 was left out of the playoff last year, partly because they didn't have a championship game. Now they do. What they're touting is that they're the true champion because it's not the, winner of one division versus the winner of the other. It's the two best teams play in the title game. And now they do a round robin. They play everybody. So it's a, a 10, you know, 10, uh, you know, you, you play everyone in your league and then you're going to sort of repeat in the championship game. So the championship game will definitely be a repeat, but a lot of games, championship games are already repeat. So it's not too big of a deal, I think. Uh, but wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also, um, they are distributing, according to the commissioner, uh, Bob Bolsley, uh, $34 million per school. And that's a 15% increase from the previous year. And it, and they said that that does not even include third tier rights. So that's significantly more than what the PAC 12 is getting. So we want to get your thoughts on all that coach. Well, I think that uh, the uh, big 12 is uh, marketing their conference. I think having a championship game is a must now, as far as, you know, being one of the big five and not having a championship game did hurt them. First of all, they uh, lose a extra weekend of publicity and dollars being generated from television and revenue from the stadium and all of the above, and it puts them in a position to uh, probably be in a better spot to make a playoff game. And I think their format of the way they're uh, presenting it, the two best teams in the conference, I think really works. And it might give another team an opportunity. Maybe Maybe when they played that team, their best running back was down or the quarterback was hurt or whatever it is. Now it's a chance to to get even. And then again, there might be a, uh, the opposite effect. Maybe the other team had someone, has someone hurt or whatever. But I think it's good you have a championship game now. You're forced to it almost to, to have these. All the other conferences have championship games. They were the only ones that didn't. I think it makes sense. And the revenue portion of it, just goes to show you that uh, there's a lot of conferences out there making a lot of money because of proper management, marketing, and all of the above. And uh, I think it's tremendous that uh, they're able to do that. I just say there's so much money in amateur athletics. It isn't amateur athletics anymore. Whoever calls it amateur athletics, I just laugh because of the amount of money they're paying the coaches and the facilities they're building and all of the above. It's huge dollars as far as the PAC-12 is concerned. We talked about that last week as far as their media day and exposure and amount of money they're receiving uh, from their television revenues, and nobody will even know that they are having their media day unless you told them, Brian, and now this cat is out of the bag. You shouldn't have told anybody that. But, uh, you know, that's where it goes, and I think it's due to a lot of experience from these other conferences and their leaderships 
that they're able to do that type of uh, uh, work. And, uh, you know, instead of having a championship game in San Francisco when the rooms are $300 a night in, in Northern California where no one wants to really go, not that it's uh, not a beautiful spot, but, uh, you know, there, there's some background and research and things done that uh, want to get the community and everything else involved. So, you know, that's my thoughts on that. And, and, uh, and now we get ready for a football season. I think they've been improvement in the Big 12. I really think that that was a giant step, and I'm glad to see it happen for college football. Um, so interesting on the, the Big 12 stuff. We have a question from Tarek I want to address a little bit later. It talks about the Pac-12 and their division alignments. I thought it's interesting. But before we get into that, this is a, so this is a USC thing, not necessarily a USC football thing, but there was a crazy LA Times story this morning. And, uh, basically, you should go check it out. I mean, it's all over the internet right now, but the dean of the, the Keck School of Medicine, who's been around like 10 years or so, or well, maybe longer, um, was brought in by, uh, President Steve Sample and it was a huge fundraiser, like this world renowned eye surgeon, um, gets huge amounts of money just like you know boosted up the rankings of the the usc medical school uh tremendously so he was like this huge boom 66 year old guy uh but apparently there's video and photos of him uh doing meth with prostitutes and all kinds of drugs uh ecstasy date rape date rape drugs uh there was and there there was an overdose him and i think a 20 year old prostitute in a hotel room they were in together and the police came and, uh, no, nothing was filed. She ended up going to the hospital. And then afterwards, after she was released, they went back and partied in the room. And this was someone that the dean had partied with this woman, uh, for a year and a half. And she's on the record talking about it in the story. Uh, but he ended up resigning a week or so, a week and a half after that incident, but still represents USC. He's still around going to fundraisers and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's absolutely insane. It's almost kind of like if you ever watch Breaking Bad, which they're at a marathon this weekend. I was watching on AMC, some good old Breaking Bad. It was almost kind of like that. I mean, absolutely crazy. Max Nikias, the president of the university, is involved in this. There's a lawsuit over recruiting. He recruited a researcher for the, a big researcher for Alzheimer's from the University of California, and they're suing USC over how that you know illegally recruiting him. Like it's almost like a football thing. But absolutely crazy. I don't think it's going to have an impact on college football, but it could potentially have an impact on Max Nikias, the president of the university, which would kind of trickle down. But I don't know if you read that. Any thoughts on that? It just seemed crazy, Coach. Yeah, it does. Uh, I was shocked when I saw that. Normally that's a Sunday article when you have a lot of readers at home and they have time to read their paper. You know, it's really unique when these stories are released. A Monday morning, uh, sort of surprising, but they have a lot of space on Monday, and it was a huge article probably three pages, three full pages on on the uh, article. I don't know much about that. I don't know the doctor. I've never met the doctor. But I think it all comes down that, uh, like anything else, was there a cover-up? Did people know this happened? Uh, uh, did they keep him on? I think that's the whole thing behind it. Was there a cover-up on the whole thing? And who was involved in the cover-up, just like the Penn State thing and Everything else that happens out there, I know the board. Did the board know about this? So did the trustees know about this? What was their action on this? What happened? I think those. This is just. This is just the touch of it. There's going to be follow-up articles. Uh, the president didn't want to comment on it, but you know, when you're an investigative reporter, and obviously there was a lot of work done here, 
months of uh, searching out exactly the facts, and I don't know how much of it is true and not. It's just what I read, and as you read, Ryan, uh, you know, it's just it's not good for the university, obviously. And uh, I don't know if uh, the Bush Heisman Trophy <laughs> is as big as this, returning it, but which I've always been against, as you know. And they asked Reggie to, to turn the trophy back in and and uh, all of that. Uh, I would think that when it comes to life and death and these type of positions might be a little bit different than a student athlete. But again, I think there has to be... Uh, you know, an answer to it, and I think they'll get to the bottom of it. And I don't know who is responsible. I can't judge on any of that, but I have to agree with you. It's absolutely shocking when I opened the Times today and saw that. Yeah, nuts. And uh, maybe they could, uh, the medical school could borrow some sports compliance people since they're so on top of things. Like they could. Well, uh... they got nine and nine compliance directors or whatever <laughs> it is. Maybe they can, you know, check it out. Check see how they did that down there. And, and you know, and you just wonder because. The police came to the the hotel room, and so you have a 66-year-old man and a 20-year-old woman, and, you know, she's non-responsive. He's saying, oh, she's only on alcohol, but she was on – she was actually on the date rape drug and, uh, I believe, meth. Um, Yeah, it was was crazy what the stuff was going on. This is after she had had some stints in rehab and stuff, and you feel bad, but, you know, she's okay. They saved her life or whatever, but she six hours later, she's back there partying – and the police come, they found like a gram of meth in the hotel room. No arrest, no report even filed. So you wonder, you know, someone that's powerful as that. And they show pictures of the dean with like Jay Leno and Warren Beatty and all, and like Larry Ellison, like the, the founder of Oracle. Like he's a powerful guy who raises millions and millions of dollars. So you just wonder, like, there's got to be some sort of cover up for no police report to be filed. Uh, not, you know, and there's, you know, a misdemeanor's worth of, of drugs there. You could arrest somebody. Um, it, that, that's crazy. I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot more of this coming out. I don't think it's going to impact the football team, but certainly could impact, uh, the president, Max Nikias. It doesn't look good. No, it, it, it won't impact the football team. The football team's got to stay focused on what they're doing. But I'm sure there's a lot of people sitting back saying, don't throw rocks if you live in a glass house. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I think. I think that's one thing I always used to tell people. Be careful where you throw those rocks, but you live in the same glass house I do. And uh, you never know what's happening when you have huge faculty and you have a huge student body and you have a lot of athletes that you have to answer for. And uh, you're the responsible person. You have no idea why anybody does anything or why a student athlete does certain things. But when you have a huge uh, faculty and a huge responsibility like that, uh, you know, it all comes back to you. And, again, we'll see what happens with it. I'd have no comments more than that because I don't know anything about it at all more than you do. Yeah. No, I just I just wanted to kind of bring it up. It was uh, It's a big kind of USC story going around Twitter right now, so I thought I might just, like, touch on it. And uh, if you haven't read it, it, it take, well, like Coach said, it's a long story, but it's definitely worth uh, worth a read. Um, well, okay, so we were talking about the, the Big 12, and uh, they're having a championship game now. So how does that impact USC? Well, they, you know, the Big 12 was left out of the championship game last year. Uh, could, you know, a Pac-12 was left out the year before. Now this gives the Big 12 another, you know, it, it could hurt them. They could have an undefeated team going into the championship game and that team loses. And, uh, then they're held out of the playoff and that boosts like a Pac-12 team up. Or it could help them where it's like on the fence. 
And last year they didn't have a, an extra chance to prove their worth, and now they'll have that extra data point. So, you know, it could go either way. But Tarek wanted to know, uh, would you like to see the Pac-12 reshuffle their divisions at some point? And I, we could say that too, but also if you want to address, should the Pac-12 just have the top two teams play in the playoff and not the division winner? Well, you know, if you look at some of the divisions, not only in the Pac-12, the Southeastern Conference and so on, there's, a, there's no question that some of the divisions are tougher than the other as far as success, as far as the past success. I mean, look at the Southeastern Conference. You look at uh, the Big uh, Ten. You see Michigan, Ohio State, uh, uh, Penn State. They're all in the same division. And the other division, you got Wisconsin, Iowa, Iowa, Indiana, and some of those others. It's really not balanced as far as preseason rankings and strength in programs. I think when they put it all together, together, they did it by geographical locations and what's best and so on. But I think there should be an evaluation, say, every four years, five years maybe, where conference strengths change and uh, uh, you're able to be flexible enough to re evaluate it and make sure the both uh, divisions are uh, equal. I don't think it's really fair to have uh, all the great teams in one division, in which they are in a couple of conferences. Southeastern Conference the same way with, I think, Alabama, I think LSU. I think they're all in the same uh, division. Florida, and I'm not sure who the other ones are, but I think it's a much broader side of it. And, and I think that that should be evaluated so that, that uh, the two best teams really do play and they don't eliminate themselves during their season. That's one thing that's, uh, I think, important, that if you're going to have a championship game, that you try to have the two best teams play. Otherwise, how can you call it a championship game? Yet you want every game during the season to meet a lot. But again, you want to make sure that it's balanced and the two best teams play. As in the West, you have it all by geographical location, except for the USC type of situation where every year they play Stanford and Cal, which is a long-time rival of USC, which uh, I have nothing against in rotation and everything else that goes on. But again, all those other schools could be flexible as far as the strength of the divisions on where the best teams are and make it a balanced type of situation where the best two teams play. So again, that's uh, for further discussion. And I think that uh, it should be evaluated every so many years because so many programs go up and down and changes in philosophy that it could get ridiculous if one division is so much stronger than the other, you really don't have the best two teams playing. So I think that's important. And I think Tark, if Tark's the one, I can't remember the name that asked that or brought that question in, Tark, I think that's a great question. And I think it's something that should be thought about. Uh, Tark, I, I mean, for me personally, like I see what coach's point is and the SEC and the Big Ten, like there's, it's just lopsided. I personally like the way the Pac-12 divisions are set up. I mean, there's, there's something nice about the geographic pairing of the different schools and having the North and South and having, you know, some Northern California teams in the North and Southern California teams in the South. And as far as power goes, it's, it's, I think it's pretty even where the North is a stronger uh, conference. I mean, a, a stronger division. Um, we've seen you know, the Oregons and the Stanfords and stuff going on, but traditional power in the South is still there. I think it balances out where 
Um, you know, if I was going to pick who's going to win the Pac-12 this year, USC is the clear favorite. They're in the South. But the next three or four teams are all in the North uh, as the next highest favorite. So um, I think it's distributed pretty well as far as the strength goes. When USC was down, like if USC was staying down, then I think it would it would not be that way. And we don't know how long Stanford's going to be there. We think Oregon's going to be there for a while. Uh, but, we, you know, Washington State looks good now. Um, you know, we're seeing resurgence. Uh, you know, Washington obviously going to the playoff last year. But, you know, USC, UCLA are the kind of main, you know, the, the name brand uh, teams there. So I think it's distributed pretty well as it is right now. Um, I would like to see uh, them step back and not have a nine conference game schedule. It gives all the schools one more chance to, to you know, get a win against a non-conference opponent or, or schedule a really good team. I don't think the Pac-12 would do that because the Pacific Northwest schools want to make sure they get into California. They want as many opportunities as possible. One less conference game does that. But to me, you're hurting your conference by having nine, uh, you know, nine conference games plus the championship game. The SEC does it with just eight. And so you see a lot of teams that are, uh, they make a bowl game and they were two and six in conference, but they go four and oh in, uh, you know, in out of conference and then they make a bowl game and they win that one and go seven and six. And you're like, this is a team that won two conference games and they had a winning record. Um, you can't do that in the Pac-12. It's just not set up that way. So I, I kind of like, I mean, it's a big step for me to go from eight to nine until everyone's at nine. If everyone's at nine, that's fine. But as long as there are people at eight, I think the Pac-12 should do that too. I agree with you 100% on that. I don't think it's uh, equal when you do that because uh, you're going to have nine more losses in your in your conference that other people are maybe won't have, especially the Southeastern Conference on who they play non-conference. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's equal. I don't think you have the rankings, the number of wins that you would have. Fortunately, so far, Utah had a great season last year. Colorado had a great season last year. So there, uh, the, the West uh, was uh, helped a lot by them, but UCLA didn't live up to what they were expected to be. Arizona and Arizona State currently are down. But in the North, Washington and a lot of preseason publications are picked to beat or win the, uh, the, the Pac-12. Oregon is supposed to be much stronger. Washington State is a team that you don't take for granted. USC better not when they play up there on a Friday night. Uh, Stanford is in the north. Look, at they've had, what, five games or five years, five, six years in a row with ten wins. Cal is uh, sort of at the bottom of the barrel right now as far as in the north. So, you know, uh, uh, the Pac-12 is pretty balanced, but uh, now with the resurgence of Colorado, that has helped them. We'll wait and see what happens with Utah this year. Can they win consistently like they have? We'll wait and see if they have and if they can. That's great, and I think it's a key year for UCLA. Four and eight last year just is not good enough for us and the Booster Club and, and all of that. So we'll see what happens with them. So it's going to be a very interesting year for uh, the Pac-12. Uh, I can't wait for it to get started. All right, let's uh, go to our next question, Coach. Anthony in L.A. He said, Coach, uh, with the quarterbacks that the Trojans were going against this year, like Luke Falk and Josh Rosen and Blake Barnett, just too many, uh, just to name a few, how do you anticipate Coach Pendergast, Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator, to adjust? Can we expect a Janie Harris and Jamel Cook uh, to be in there almost every play as that nickelback? Thanks, Anthony and L.A. 
Well, you know, they're great athletes. General Cook, uh, we've been talking about him. I've been talking about him such since he got there, if you remember, Ryan, when they signed him. The last minute they beat uh, Florida State on him. And uh, I would try to keep my best athletes in the game as much as I can and against the spread offense and guys that throw the ball and run the ball. This kid can do both. He can cover and tackle. He's a He's a great athlete, so I would anticipate him being on the field. Uh, I think that he's going to have to work his way into the starting lineup because of the experience of a lot of the defensive backs in the secondary at USC. I think USC's secondary is better than what a lot of people think it might be. Uh, I think they, you know, they got to prove that, of course. Uh, and then, of course, then you play Stanford, and Stanford is uh, really well drilled on what they do, and they love to run the football. Plus, they love to throw to their big tight ends, and they're really explosive that way. But they create a lot of mismatches so uh, again uh, they have to face different type of teams and now UCLA is going to a power type of Michigan type of offense a combination of eye and, and spread and a lot of different things I think the key for that is their offensive line and also uh, if Rosen is happy in that type of offense you know last year he played for the first time in that type of offense as far as a power type of offense, and it just didn't work for him, and he was very disappointed. And I think he pouted around a little bit between you and I. I don't know him. I don't know what he did, but I don't think it was real uh, a real great marriage. I think they're on a verge of divorce there for a period of time. So I think it's important to see what happens with UCLA this year and their opening game on Sunday against Texas A&M. I think that's going to be key for the Bruins and Jim Moore and the whole package over there. So... uh I think that uh, getting your best athletes on the field is what you do. You hear me talk about it all the time. Don't save them. Don't save them. Get them on the field. Uh, if they're the best, they got to play, and the players know they're the best. So you don't worry about player morale because they know they're better than they are. But if you play somebody out there that isn't the best, the players get upset because they feel that you're not playing your best players and giving them a chance to win. So you've got to get your best players on the field, not only defensively, but offensively to attack whatever your opponent does in the most efficient way. And if that's the most efficient way, getting Cook and them on the field, then Pendergrass will be doing that, and that's what he's supposed to do. Yeah, they, they mostly did that last year anyway, too. So they, they play a lot, a lot of nickel. Uh, our guy Shotgun uh, usually breaks down defensive formations and stuff. So uh check those out after the story. But, yeah, I think the majority of the time they're in a nickel anyway. Um, so I don't know if that's really an adjustment per se, but they'll probably I, – I, I'm guessing they're going to continue to do that this year. Uh Paul in Vegas wrote in – this has got an under the wire. He sent this in after we even started taping, Coach. Uh He's a Vegas guy. He said, Coach, as a fellow Las Vegas uh person, what's your opinion on USC playing UNLV next year? That's fighting a little below our weight, isn't it? But my real question is, might we buy out that game and hook up with one of the blockbuster games on a neutral site like we did with Alabama last season? Thanks, Paul in Vegas. Well, you know, I don't think it's right. I call them body bag games. Uh, this year, UNLV goes to Ohio State. They get, I think, $1.2 million to go there because they have to have the money in their budget to be able to have college football. Uh, they don't have it in the budget. The state doesn't give them enough money. And, uh, they're not a Power 5 conference, and 
and the uh, big five people are looking for people like this because it gives them a home game, gives them a lot of revenue, and it's a cheap uh, investment for them. Yet it's a great investment as far as for UNLV, as far as getting money for the program. Now, next year, it's USC, and then after that, it's someone else, and then it's someone else. It was UCLA last year. If you remember, UNLV played in the Rose Bowl, played a pretty good game against UCLA. So it's unfortunate uh, that you have, have to play those people. When I was there, we played Wisconsin, and, you know, you have to play. We played Washington State. We played them well, Oregon State. We beat them. So... uh these games are going to be out there. You look at some teams, you say, wow, New Mexico State and some of these people out there. Holy cow, Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, their non-conference game, just to keep their program afloat. Should they really have football? Really? Some of these schools ought to really consider either forming a league uh, of some type where they don't have to play these type of games. I don't think it's fair to the kids uh, to have to – go into a game being a 30-point underdog or something. I don't know if you're teaching kids to compete. And uh, if you play hard, we had a chance to win today, which you could. But uh, had a chance to do that when I was at Long Long Beach State with George Allen. I kept explaining to Coach, Coach, we're going to Clemson. This is not like going to UOP. (laughs) And, you know, Coach hadn't been there. Coach didn't understand the difference in programs. And that, and I told him, all we need to do is go down there, keep the clock running, go in, get out of there as soon as we can, don't get anybody hurt, and don't put too much emphasis on the game, pick up the check, come home, and get ready for Utah State. Uh, and uh, we found out that I was right. <laughs> Some teams, <laughs> you know, aren't supposed to be beating Ohio State. Like if UNLV was to go back and beat Ohio State with it. What do you think they might do to Urban Myers? I'm not quite sure if they'd find him the next day. Uh, that's just the way it is, but that's what administrators do. It's phony. What are we trying to tell our kids? That we can compete and have an athletic program? Are we a pretender? Or do we have a legitimate type opportunity of beating these people? I mean, uh, kids shouldn't be subject to that, okay? That's the way I feel. And uh, all these away games and them going into the game, you tell them, look what we can do today. They put their pants on the same way we do and so on. How long does that last? After the first quarter when it's 28 nothing. So, you know, I'm not for those type of games. I hope UNLV goes back to Ohio State and represents the university, but I hope it doesn't come back and that ruins their season. If they can go 2-1, and one, they open with Howard and they got – after Howard, they've got Idaho. At Idaho, I think that's the key game of the year. And if they lose at Ohio State, they come back to two and one. They got San Jose and Fresno State. I think they can beat both those games. Okay, so that's the UNLV side of it. As far as going to USC, uh, I think Steve Wilkes did a good job as far as negotiating that contract to get it's a short trip for UNLV. They'll come into the Coliseum. USC will get their win and. Uh, UNLV will go home with a million, two, million, three, whatever it is. All right. Uh, let's see. We got a couple more and then we'll let you go. Um, Maybet from Ontario says, when athletes who are under the age of 17 transfer, what prevents them, uh, from sharing their knowledge of the former university's playbook, 
uh, I don't think you're usually under 17 in your college here, um, with the new school. These kids uh, cannot enter into a binding contract, i.e. a non-disclosure agreement, because they have not reached the age of uh, consent. Is there an unwritten code, or does the university they transfer to rely uh, on the kids' integrity in preserving their playbook? Um, for kids over 18, do they sign a non-disclosure agreement? How about former coaches, staff members? Do they sign non-disclosures, or is a playbook a living, breathing document that undergoes changes on a regular basis, which, which makes my question moot? Thanks for all the outstanding work you do. You're always the best. Uh, Trojan fans who listen to your podcast and subscribe to uscfootball.com are well informed because of you. Fight on. Thank you. Uh, well, there's no uh, disclosure agreement you sign and so on. And as soon as I hired or got a transfer from another school, I'd sit down and tell me, tell me about their program, okay? Uh, not that, you know, you, you you do every method you can within the structure of the rules to know who you have to beat or if you happen to hire a coach from a school you're going to play you you evaluate their personnel and you ask him about their personnel when you're preparing for their games and he shares with you uh, this kid can't run or this kid can run or whatever and there's nothing unethical about that I think any coach would get any type of information he possibly could as far as getting ready for a game and I think it would be impossible to to expect a rule to be in force where a guy wouldn't tell uh, about his former coach. Not, it's not unloyal. You just expect it as a coach. If I'm going to play a guy and the guy went somewhere else, I said, well, this week we got to change our colors and our audible. we got to do different things and so on. But he knows all of that. You just know that. It just, uh, it's simple. And, uh, you just uh, move on and, and coach the game. You can't sit around and worry about things like that, you know. If you sit around and worry about things like that, you're going to get beat anyway. You just got to assume that uh, and you get some uh, thought, too, back on how this guy coaches and what he likes to run, especially if he's a coordinator. You know what he likes to do in certain situations, so you have a little bit of an advantage there, too, but he doesn't change. So I think that uh, you do whatever you can to do to be successful, and I know that if it's a player that transferred in, I haven't ever had that happen, so I would sit down and talk to him about it. But I think they'd say, okay, coach, and this, this is their rule on this. When you get in this formation, this is what they're doing in this coverage. I'd let him tell me, especially if we're watching the films. And, and I'd say, let's see if that happens. Before it even snaps the ball, tell me, let's see if that happens. And if it does, then the kid knows what he's talking about. If it doesn't, okay. But, again, they change that up, too knowing that, that the kid was there. So I think you basically change your colors and audibles. I think that's the number one thing you worry about. All right, Coach, we've got one last one from our buddy Zunes. Um, he said, you prophesized four or five years ago that if there was one college football program in existence that could make it through and survive the evil NCAA hit job, that one school was USC. What do you or your colleagues say now? I say we did survive with flying colors considering all the badness dumped on us uh we did survive and now we will grab back our old scepter of top dog in the pac 12 maybe not this year but who really knows uh i say maybe even this year that's from zunes well you know i agree with that i still agree with that there was a lot of 
a lot of envy on USC. There always has been, as there is on other programs in America. And uh, people try to bring down great programs, no matter how they do. And you've heard me say this before. I used it earlier in today's podcast when I said that when you live in glass houses, don't throw rocks because whatever I might be doing, you're doing too, and you just don't, I just don't know about it. Or maybe I'm a little bit more ethical or I don't turn you in. Or maybe whatever, the way it happens. I think there's somewhat of a, a, a rule among coaches. I really do. That if you're in a certain conference, you know what's going on with other programs. You, you, how could you not? You switch coaches. Coaches know what's going on on different staffs. And there's a rule that in recruiting, you know, you lose someone, you say, hey, 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 hey that's a little shady. How the heck could I lose this kid? And you know, you and you know him so well, and you know things, uh, but you let it go. You don't really go after a school or or do that. Now, there's always somebody that does. There's always someone that's holier than ever, okay? The guy that doesn't really realize that it's happening in his program and he doesn't know it. But you try to stay within the rules. You try to do everything that's proper. But when you're the limelight person, when you're the one that's... Uh, Everyone's looking at every single day, USC, during that period of time. I mean, 30 straight conference victories or whatever it was. Uh, national championships. Please want kids wanting to come everywhere to, to USC. And, and, and yes, it can be like that again. But along the way, you've got to remember you're out there by yourself in a life raft. There's no one that's going to throw you a rope. If something goes wrong, that's why you have to be very, very careful. Because people are envious of you, no matter where they are. And they realize they can be recruiting someone for two years, kids committed, and all of a sudden, USC, we're going to offer him. And the coach says, oh, no. And you lose him. Because you know the strength of the USC program. And that happens. And there's a lot of envy for that. And a lot of assistant coaches say, if I can ever get the opportunity, I want to coach at USC because they know what happens on the road. When did we hear this a couple of weeks ago? I think it was one of your podcasts or whatever. It was you with the running back coach from USC. When he goes on campus, people are saying, hey, USC is here today. USC is here today. Wow. Well, that goes everywhere the same way. So, yes, uh, USC was a school that could fight through it, and they did. Remarkably, they you know they gave them everything they could uh, without a firing squad, and uh, they survived. And now they have to be very careful going back to this, this power base that they have the potential of doing, so it doesn't find someone out there who's a sniper. Okay, and you got to be very careful. Avoid those snipers, Coach. That's uh, that's a good that's good advice. Everyone out there today, make sure you don't run into, <laughs> don't run into these snipers. That would be bad. Well, uh, you know, see what I'm talking about. I'm trying to, you know what I'm trying to tell I you know guys. Exactly. I'm sure you I'm all sure. understand me, don't you? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, good. Yeah. All right. Well, Coach, hey, great stuff. We got a lot of different topics to talk about. Never thought we'd talk about the dean of the medical school on the podcast, but we had to mention it. It was just, it's too, uh, too crazy of a story. So definitely go check that out. But, 
Good stuff. We're looking forward to uh, Pac-12 Media Days coming up and fall camp starting. It's just getting closer and closer. Keep sending those questions in. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks again, Coach, for coming on and sharing your insights. Good. One question now before we go. Have they set the practice times yet? They have not. Uh, we know the start date, July 29th. That's all we know. Uh, I've been in fairly regular communication with the uh, sports information department over the past couple of weeks, and we still do not have a schedule yet. Um, so my understanding was that it was going to be a fairly regular schedule with like a six day a week and Sundays off sort of thing. Um, but we don't know. We, uh, we just know the start date and that's about it at this point. Do you know if it's going to be open to the public or parents? Because that's why I'm asking that because people ask me. That's a very good question too. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know for sure. I've heard some rumors that a lot of them would not be open, but I don't know that for sure. We'll have to uh, kind of wait and see. But that's some of the rumblings are, at least during August, they they would not be open. Now, we don't know. They haven't said anything for certain, but that's just what I've been hearing. Well, Ryan, I appreciate it because that assists me too in making my plans as far as uh, fall camp. Am I going to be able to be there or not or however that works, you know? Well, you'll be out there, Coach. You're always out there. We know. Um, but yeah, but can I get in? Yeah, we'll we're, we're get you on the media list, as always. You always do that. But You'll get me in? Well, no, we, you're a media man, man. You can, uh, you're, I know, I know. I know. But, I mean, I want to be able to make sure you get me in. You know? <laughs> I'll pull a few strings. <laughs> I'll call some favors in and make sure you get in there. But we'll, hey, we still have the playpen. Do you know that? Uh, we don't know that, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, I hope so. We've gotten used to that. Yeah, if it's closed to the public, then you would think there's no need to keep us in a playpen, but I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. We, we're, we're waiting to see. And I get a lot of these questions. I'm glad you asked because there's a lot of those questions. People tweet me all the time. Hey, do we know the schedule? No, we don't. So um, obviously a lot of anticipation. People want to know, want to come see. They want to get a glimpse before the 2017 season starts because it ended so well last year. And we'll know as soon as we know. I will tweet out. We'll we'll talk about it on the podcast. But right now, no official word. All right, buddy. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I'll let you go. And for all of you out there, we want to thank you for joining us. And again, thank you for all your questions. And take care. Be safe. All right, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. He tells you to huddle up and buckle up, like always. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.